sweet Christmas. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Today, we have Melody Akles. Welcome. Hey, hey. Jillian Bowe, welcome. Hello. And Craig Peters, welcome. Hey, Luke. Now, Jillian and Craig and I all went and recorded this episode last week, and then when it was finished, we discovered that, or I discovered to my horror. No, 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 we. No, 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 no. Uh, I, I, I discovered yeah. to my horror that the recording only taped my voice, and every time Jillian or Craig were speaking, there was long silences, so I've tested we it. This did our work. part. Craig uh, and I did our part. We showed up. Your shit we, just showed out. Yeah, Paquisha was upset. Okay, let's talk a little bit about <laughs> Luke Cage, uh, the series that premiered on Netflix based on the character from 1972, Luke Cage, a hero for hire. Melody, first imp- first quick impressions of Luke Cage. The series. Um, I like it a lot. I am admittedly not done with the series. I'm probably about halfway through, but everything I've seen, yeah, yeah, everything I've seen, I like. The story follows well. I like that they tell a lot of background stories, so just in case, you know, you're brand new to the story, the superhero, the comic, or anything, you kind of, you get that background level of, okay, I understand why this is happening. I know why this person is mad at this person. Love seeing all the superhero abilities. I also love that this show is unapologetic black it is fantastic in that aspect at least for me watching so everything i've seen so far i really enjoy okay jillian what were your first impressions did mel steal our recordings because that is what i said last week oh, <laughs> this is why we're right here this is why she's my dog yes i love the fact that it's unapologetically black and the, forget all that. The stories are good. It's mm-hmm. unapologetically black with the characters. It's staying true to form. So is um, the writing and the producing. You know, last week I mentioned this, Mel, but uh, one of the producers for Luke Cage used to be a writer on One Life to Live. It was like really? a One Life to Live reunion. Yes, remember Aida Kroll? Oh, I do remember. Yeah, she's okay. the producer there. Wow. Okay. So, all right. It's like a reunion because you know Frankie Faison, who I adore. He's such an underrated actor, and you know I'm not saying that because I met him a while ago. So, yeah, that's a different story. He's a, such a great actor, and then you have Sean Reingold on there. And we will oh, get to the, we, we will get to the the cast in a little bit. Craig, what were your first impressions? Well, my first impressions, particularly after watching the first two episodes, I I really enjoy it. And unapologetically black or not, it is just it's it's really good. I I thoroughly enjoy it. My my one dog on it is just that it took a long time. Those first two episodes took a long time to get through, and I was waiting for more action and more. And I know everybody's going to yell at me for that, but I am a geek. I'm a true geek. I like action, and I like I like to see the superhero stuff out the front. So. Other than that, I thought it was really good. The music is terrific. 
I love the, the, all of the music. Every bit of it is just really good. Characters are terrific. You want to see more of the characters, good and bad characters. So, yeah, it is really, really tasty. My first impression on it is that um, I agree the cinematography was fantastic. I love how they modernized the black exploitation like elements of that cinema to the modern day, and they've kept it modern. I need the soundtrack. I must have the soundtrack to this show. I think like Raphael Sadiq. I, I think the acting <laughs> is excellent, and I think that Mike okay. Coulter was the perfect casting for this. Let's talk about the casting. Mike... Or not Mike, Mel. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> sorry, I was no, reading. I was listen. If it's if it's in my defense, I was about to say Mike Coulter and then went to Mel. It wasn't because our other podcast co-host is Mike. Uh, Mel, you were a mm -hmm. fan of his on The Good Wife. Sure, I am. And you had a little bit. You got a little bit womanish on the last podcast. So, what were your thoughts on him in the role? Womanish. Well, I'm trying to calm down a little bit of my womanish because apparently I'm a little too much in the last one. Listen, I'm only I'm only quoting you from last uh, from Twitter. Whoa. I will say that is a very very good looking man. But then again, he's always been good looking, so I kind of knew what it is to expect here. But I'm always here for the season. He'll be in the shower with his shirt off and that bald Christmas head. He just be a glistening sweet Christmas indeed. Oh, but um, no, <laughs> he is. I think he's really a, a good fit for this role. You know, he he has a, a really stone way of paying, playing Luke Cage, but I kind of like that. And, you know, and when he needs to be animated, he can do that. So I feel like he's a good fit. Like I don't, I don't think he was miscast at all. It's it's a good, it's good for he's him. He's got that seductive voice, right? Oh yes, he got that bedroom voice. Whoa. Oh, girl, tell it, tell it, tell it, tell it. Jillian, what'd you think? <laughs> Casting is phenomenal. And like I said last week, he is, he's from a good acting family of sorts. He's Viola Davis's cousin, so. Really? So I didn't yes. Yes. Hmm. Second cousins, I did. I'm like, okay. They're both from South CAC. They're both from South Carolina or, yeah, I don't, I think he is from a different state, but his family's from South Carolina. She's from South Carolina, so. It's all in the blood, baby. <laughs> Craig, what did you think him as of uh, Coulter as the title character? Oh, I, th I thought he was terrific. I don't know how they. I know a little bit about Luke Cage, the comic book, and own a few of them. So I think I think it was a great pick. I think he's he's got terrific gravitas. He's he's got uh, he's got a likableness. I mean, I want to see him do well, and and uh, in the in the series, I mean, in the TV show, I want to see him do well as Luke Cage and I want to see him succeed. And that's all part of the being, being a great character is, uh, you just, you just want that guy you can identify with that you can, you can like, and you want to see. And it's like the old days, like you mentioned black exploitation. I love, I love that. I watched everything, uh, back in the day. And he's got that same sense that a lot of those guys did in, in those, with those old character pieces. Joining him in the cast, we have Simone Mas uh, Missick as Misty Knight, Theo Rossi as Shades, Alfre Woodard as Mariah Dillard, Rosario Dawson uh, returning to the role from Jessica Jones, and um, Daredevil as Claire Temple. We have, and I'm forgive me for pronouncing this probably incorrectly, Ma Hershala Ali as Cottonmouth, and Frank Whaley as Detective Scarf. Now, before we get to the villains... What did you think of Misty, Jillian? Misty, I was kind of surprised that, you know, 
how Misty and Luke were kind of introed. I thought she was going to be, I thought he was going to be her man inside for her taking down Cottonmouth, but I didn't know he was going to be inside something else. (laughs) So I was like, okay. I, but I love her. I love the characters, Misty. I like, I, I like to see where this, to see how he gets to where he is because, you know, watching him in Jessica Jones, I was like, how the hell does he get with her? Because if you read up on it, he and Jessica, like, they finally get together, have a kid and stuff. And I'm like, how the hell did they get back from that? She, like, damn near punched a hole in his wife's chest. How do you get <laughs> from being like, you punched a hole in my wife's chest? But it's so quick, girl. Like, I wondered. And this just, to me, she plays a key component in that. So I'm fine with it. And Misty... She is not like your average cop. You know what I mean? She's not like a, she's not a dumbass. She's smart. She's intuitive. She knows. She just had, like, she, she just knows when something is not right and something is not adding up, even though people are quick to sweep it under the rug. She's like, no, we need to keep continuing this. So I dig her. Though she does have a blind spot, which we'll get to in a minute. Mel, what did you think of Misty? I like Misty uh, so far. I really like all of the scenes where you see she's in front of the uh, like the crime scene boards and she's looking at the pictures and we're watching like kind of inside her mind of how everything's yeah. playing out. I thought that was really interesting and it happens, you know, a lot throughout the series and every time I'm like, man, that is so dope. Like, yeah. it's interesting. And I like how she she kind of she has a soft spot for Luke Cage, but she doesn't let him get away with a lot of crap at the same time. So. She's like Jillian said, she's not your dumb cop of the series. She's really intelligent. So I like that aspect of it. Craig, when I first saw her, I she looked very familiar to me. So I had to go look her up and see if I'd um, watched her in something before. Turns out I hadn't. But I really appreciated what she brought to the role. I thought that she did a nice blend between tough as nails. But when she needed to, she was vulnerable. What did you think of her in the role? Well, interestingly enough, she's the one character. All the other characters seem to be archetypes. You see them on the screen, you get you get you know them immediately because they fit into those roles almost perfectly. So every one of the other characters where she she takes this role and it develops from the very beginning. And she's gonna be around a while. She's gonna be in the Defenders, she's gonna be in in Iron Fist. So I, I, I love the way that this character actually seems to be growing in every episode. She's not an archetype. She, you just don't know her immediately, which, of course, a female cop is kind of like that. Particularly this one is is just growing and changing. She is intelligent. She is smart. She appears to have some, some extrasensory powers, so that's all a good thing. So it'll be fun to see her grow, but I think she's got great eyes. She's got great, great screen presence, so I'm looking forward to see her grow and change with the role. Mel, this mm-hmm. show had a lot of villains. We had Cottonmouth. We had Alfre Woodard as a New York City councilwoman, Mariah Dillard. We had Shades. But there was also Misty's partner, who was her blind spot. She, he ended up being someone she didn't realize was selling out the cops. What did you mm-hmm. think of Frank Whaley in the role of Scarface? Oh, I thought he was great. And I, I like that twist, too. Of, you know, you kind of didn't see it coming. 
um, with him really turning on her. So everything is so involved. And anytime there's a twist where I'm like, oh, wow, okay, I didn't think of that. Anytime you can get me, I say you did a pretty great job. So, Craig, I had never seen him, in, or I did not remember seeing him in anything, but I was fascinated by his performance. What did you think? Well, he's been in everything. This yeah. guy has been around for a long, 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 long time. <laughs> I mean, he was in Pulp Fiction, Broken Arrow. Uh, the guy has been in a ton of stuff. And uh, I, I looked forward to I like to see him as a good guy in some things. But in this way, he, he does a pretty good job as a bad guy. Though I didn't want to see him that bad. <laughs> and um, Didn't want to see like, him strangle somebody with a tie? I, no, I didn't want to see him that bad. And I... And so I was kind of disappointed by the fact he was really a bad cop. I wanted that kind of twist thing, like like Harvey in Gotham. I, I wanted that kind of a character as opposed to... But anyway, he's doing a great job. He's always <laughs> been a good actor. Everything I've seen him in, he, he, just, he, just, he just does a, a good, solid job. And so uh, I expected that. I expected him to catch me up in, the, in, the, in, in his il- illness so to speak. And uh, so I think he was fine. I But who knows? He may be gone soon. Okay. Um, and I should mention one of the uh, other villains that I forgot to mention uh, when I was going down the list was uh, Diamondback, portrayed by Eric uh, LeRae Harvey, which he was a very intriguing character. But first, let's talk about Cottonmouth. Cottonmouth is the kingpin of the streets. His cousin, Mariah, is a councilwoman. He's the dark side of the force. She's the light side of the force in theory. If we're going to really mix metaphors and totally take this off the rails, um, he is basically helping to fund her campaign um, because she let and borrowed money so that he could buy a club. And so now they're coming back with to the reality of we've got to make sure the money's in place. We've got to make sure that everything is okay. Luke Cage sort of causes a problem with that when some other little thugs go and steal Diamondback's money from a gun deal. And all of a sudden, the money is missing. What did you think of Cottonmouth Mel? And what did you think of the notorious B.I.G. photo in his office, which was almost a character unto itself in the in the <laughs> show? <laughs> I thought Katma was pretty great. I'm like, wow, this is a really great big bad villain. You know, he's kind of all consuming. Everyone seems to be really afraid of him. He's got all the money, he's got all the power. He gets in Luke Cage's face. They have history. It's really, you know, all including. And I thought, I can't ever pronounce his name. Marsh and Mar, what? Him, Ali. Last name is Ali. Fantastic <laughs> job in the role and i love the shot of you know the the big poster in the background and he's standing up against it so you see like the crown in his head is tilted a little bit very good cinematography fantastic shot but i thought him as a villain he was great like he wasn't too much where i was just like okay where's your mustache and your top hat and your cane it wasn't like that like he was good in the role so I enjoyed him. Well, I mean, and- the Biggie poster was a little, me being from New York, the Biggie poster was a little, uh, because Biggie's from Brooklyn and it's based in Harlem. So I'm like, oh, oh, oh I'm. <laughs> threw a wrench in it for you, didn't it? Sorry. I was yeah. like, huh, but I guess he was like. This but is, this is, is Jillian, this is Jillian's accounting moment from, from the DC <laughs> podcast. <laughs> 
I mean, it's not, but you know, but I guess they're trying to say, you know, Biggie is he transcended, if you will, all borough, so it was fine. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Now, Craig, because of Luke Cage, Cottonmouth is having some problems, which means that we have the arrival of Shades, uh, Theo Rossi, um, as an advisor slash enabler. What did you think of Cottonmouth and Shades? Well, Cottonmouth, Ali Mahershala um, Ali. Said it right. Yep, thank you, thank you, thank you. He's been in three. Thank you, that's how you say it. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. (laughs) He's been in three of my favorite series, things like A House of Cards and Alphas and 4400. So this guy's been around a ton, and he deserves every every kudo you want to give him because he is terrific. And he he picked up this role, again, stereotypical, whatever you want to call it, archetype. He was exactly what I expected in a villain, and he's played it to the hilt. So he is terrific. The Shade still has some developing to do. I, I'm not a big fan of Shade so far, so pardon me for that. You can throw throw stones at me, but we'll see if he develops into somebody I care about. As far as I'm as far as I'm concerned right now, uh, Cottonmouth could just shoot him dead, and I wouldn't be sad at the moment. But pardon me for that. But I'm not not a big not a big uh, character for me yet. But okay. Uh, but Ali is just terrific, and in, in everything pretty much. Mel or Jillian or both, do either of you have any thoughts on Shades? Did you like the character? Did he really resonate for you or were, did you not care? Me, for me, Shades, I thought Shades, I, I, I dig Shades because Shades is a little crafty little bastard. Just when you <laughs> think that you're getting over on Shades, Shades lets you know you're not going to do it. And he gives us an insight to how Luke Cage is Luke Cage. So I enjoy him as a villain. And Theo Rossi is a great actor. I loved him in Sons of Anarchy. So I'm glad he was able to find something else once that show signed off. Mel? I kind of agree a little bit more with Craig. Like, he didn't really show me a lot. But I did like that he he knew Luke Cage before he was Luke Cage. I think there's a lot of potential in that. And I want to see them go, I dig a little bit deeper than that probably in season two, that would be great. But for season one so far, he hasn't really, he hasn't given me a lot. And the back, I know it's there. And the backstory for that, um, which if you haven't watched the full season, it will explain it. He was in the prison that Luke Cage ended up in and was part of the fight club that resulted in that Luke Cage was forced into being a gladiator and was part now, of the... Now, Luke, what's the first rule of Fight Club? I you know, but this is not this is not Brad Pitt's <laughs> Fight Club. Um, <laughs> Brad Pitt was nowhere in Luke Cage that I saw, at least. Um, not yet. No. So, Luke Cage, um, after Pops uh, was shot in retaliation because he had been try- play- providing a safe harbor for the uh the one of the boys who had stole the money and was going to and was going to try and like make it so that he could turn over the money to cottonmouth without ending up dead his barber shot was shot to hell pops was killed and this is where luke cage decides that he's going to go on the warpath with cottonmouth and he is going to cut off all of cottonmouth's money and i've got you know in a way cottonmouth wasn't the one that was behind that hit that was he didn't his... want that, that was, he didn't well want no he didn't want it but mm-hmm. he was he was a victim of shades's manipulation not yes. only that and no it was it was um uh, whatever it was his um 
his little bitch boy's fault that caused that shooting. He, you know, his little minion, he yep. was the one who was trying to be trigger happy and also trying to be um getting good favor because Pops was an OG back in the day and he still had respect in the community. So for you to do that without getting a say-so, that's a big no-no. Well, and the reason why I say Shades was an influencer is because it sure felt like watching the season that when when Cottonmouth Flunky shot up the barbershop, when he, uh, Mariah does what she does, in case you guys haven't watched that yet, I won't go too far into it, but when she does what she does... Shades is always there, sort of like the evil whisper in your ear. So for me, I'm like, I think he's partly responsible for the shoot up because he could have told the flunky, don't do it. And the flunky would have listened, in my opinion. Um, we'll see. So let's talk about Alfrey. Uh The first time we discussed this topic and it didn't record, uh, Craig and Craig and Jillian were a bit shocked to learn that the first time I had uh, was introduced to Alfrey Woodard um, as an actress was in Desperate Housewives, and at that time I wasn't. What? Wasn't and you repeat that again? I was. You can admit that again. So freaking long and she did everything. Okay. I'm she sorry. Keep she has and she was the only possible you didn't even thing. Behind True Blood. Desperate Housewives, I believe, was on before True Blood. Oh, she was a um, the only the only the only possible in Scrooge ex- than Bill Murray. I'll tell you that right now. The only possible exception that to that, if I'm thinking about it, is if she might have been in one. Of, was she in a Tyler Perry movie way back when? Probably. I might have I might have seen her in one of those. Really? Just subject the Alfred Woodard to one of those oh! Perry movies because oh! I can't do this with you. I'm just I refuse. Alfred Woodard has been in the game. She has Tyler been. Perry she all has been even in his car. She was oh. in Hollywood doing movies. Okay. I oh, all okay. I'm saying is my yeah, first like... introduction to her was in Desperate Housewives, and in that yeah. role, the character oh, was a terrible, terrible character, and I did not like the oh, storyline. It was in a season where there wasn't very much creativity. So after she left that, I started watching her in other things, and I came to greatly appreciate her in a role. Are you referring to Barbara's Beauty Shop? That's what he means. He means beauty shop. She was never in a Tyler Perry movie. Oh, see, I was, th- I was thinking she was possible. You know how, like, wasn't there a Tyler, like, there's, isn't no! there a, t- there's a Tyler Perry movie where you have a whole bunch of, like, really old, respectable women who are sitting up on a porch. Oh, well, is it that maybe, narrows it, it down. Is it, oh, is it, is it like, a, I think it's maybe a Medea movie. No, she wasn't in a Tyler Perry movie. I'm not saying she was, but if she was, that might have been where I saw her. Wow. Okay. So El, now that this has gone off you're the rails, you're digging this huge monstrous hole, and you're just digging and digging and digging. You're Listen, halfway I, to China. By I now. have a gold-plated shovel straight from Cottonmouth. Mel, what did you think of Mariah wow. or Alfre Woodard as Mariah? I love Alfre Woodard. If y'all haven't figured that out by now, me me defending her, oh, she's fantastic. And for me, at least, Alfre Woodard doesn't play a lot of villains like a lot of bad guys so to see her kind of really on the dark side this time was definitely interesting but in a good way for me because you know she always plays these no-nonsense characters or on the other side she plays someone like really silly so I loved seeing her in this role and I want to see more of her always and forever and the fact that she's you know Cotton Mouse cousin is that right they're cousins or something like that yeah they are exactly cousins so you know there's gonna be there's gonna be more there so 
Anytime I can see Alfred Woodard, who is criminally underrated, I appreciate it. Jillian, what did you think of her as a villain? I didn't see her in a Tyler Perry film. Yes. She was fantastic. <laughs> she just shows her versus, you know, how versatile <clears throat> she is because, you know, you're used to Alfred Woodard being, you know, the nice one, you know, the one the with auntie. Reason. The auntie with the kind, comforting soul, the vixen bitch, because she was a socialite bitch in, um, she was a, such a snob in something more. Is it called something mm. more with Sanaa Lathan? Because she was Sanaa's something new, something new. Something new, something new, yes. And, you know, she, she showed her comedic aspect in, well, she's always shown her comedic aspect, but she's funny and beauty shop also love her in crooklyn y'all need to see crooklyn oh yeah that's good you haven't seen it you know, you've seen it craig oh absolutely yes oh my Maybe. god so why am i talking to luke oh my god luke saw her luke, i'm still blown that you said you saw her in a tyler perry film like i thought yeah. it might have been i wasn't yeah, sure tyler perry. My wow. belt. she's fantastic and what i like about mariah is that mariah she shows you that she, the how a politician is. She she you know she shows you how a typical politician is, but at the same time she tries to be a better politician. You know what I mean? She wants to do all these things for the community, but because her resources are limited and because of the red tape, bureaucratic red tape, she has to color outside the line, so she has to get her hands dirty. And at the same time, she always tells her cousin, I don't want to know about it. I don't want to know about it. Like, she tries to do plausible deniability, but she can't help but get a little dirty in there. Craig, one of the things that took me out of watching Luke Cage was the fact that we had her in this role. Um, because in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's the television shows and the films are all in the same universe. But yet we've seen her in Captain America Civil War. And yeah. now she's and where she's potentially a good a person where here she's obviously a villain. So as I was watching it, it took me out. So I had to like Google it and find out. Apparently the role of her role of Miriam in uh, Captain America Civil War was suggested by Robert Downey Jr. And it was done after she had already started taping the roles, uh, the role for the uh, Luke Cage. So that's how we end up where everything is supposed to be in one continuity and one actor is not supposed to be able to play two different characters, that's how we have the anomaly that is Alfre Woodard as both a villain and potentially a good person in the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe. What did you think of her in the role? Well, remember, you know, you, know, you can do anything in comic books. When I read, when I read uh, Nick Fury all those many, many years ago in the 60s, he was a, he was a white guy that fought in World War II. Now he's... He's, Samuel L. Jackson does a tremendous job, but the character is completely different, and he's 50 years later. But there's so. a difference between the amount of time that is between those and having yes, two, true. two people in the, sa in the same universe and the sa same timeline, one who is a, has access to Anything. Avengers and the Anything other one is who possible. is a street-level councilwoman. I'm figuring Pops will be back. So oh, yeah, it, right. Anything can happen in superhero movies. I'm telling you, uh, I, I see Earth jumping up and down on Superman's casket. So I think anything's kind of possible. But I don't care if she's in half a dozen roles. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break all the rules for her and say she's probably some avatar, some clone that was developed 
100 years ago. That's why she can be in two roles. So she's just a clone of somebody that's been around forever. Speaking of which, as an actress, she has been around forever. And she's so good, I don't care how many movies she's in. I mean, I was looking through... I mean, She's been in a dozen TV shows or series that I absolutely love. Even The Last Ship, she's even in that one. I could, didn't believe she was even in that one. She's so good in this role. She really wants the best for Harlem. I mean, yeah. I really believe she wants the best for Harlem. But she also wants the best for herself. She wants to get rich doing it. And so I don't have any problem with that. No, she doesn't want rich. She wants power. Well, power. Rich and money and power do go hand in hand. But yes, yeah. I, you know, I get you. In Washington, D.C., power comes first and then the money. I mean, we can look around now and see. But anyway, regardless, she wants she wants that, and she absolutely desires that. But she also wants to do the best for Harlem. So she's a great character because she's not one-dimensional. I mean, she really wants the best, obviously, for herself. Though she gets a little, a little graspy there at the fifth or sixth episode. It's, it's fun to watch, and she plays it so well. She's also kind of a violent character, which I didn't I didn't expect her to be quite so violent. You guys who have if you haven't got far enough into the episode, you'll love you'll love that part. But I mean, she she is so dynamic and she has such a great range that I loved her as this kind of single mother in Scrooge. I loved her in um, Hill Street Blues. She's uh, she was in White Shadow all those years ago. I was looking through all these things that I love that she's been in. She's just terrific, and she's terrific in this role. And again, you want to like her, but you can't really like her in this. Though you can respect her because she's doing the doing the best that she can for Harlem. But I mean, she she's like, but and the good thing about her, she's such a good actress that she doesn't overshadow everybody. She's willing to to cut it. You guys agree with that? She's willing to cut yeah. it back. So she's not overwhelming everyone else in a scene. And that that is the sign of a really great actress, an unselfish actress. And she is just she's a terrific actress and she's terrific in this role, I think. I think she's she's one of my favorites. Let's talk a little bit about Claire Temple, who we saw in Daredevil. She I she popped up in Jessica Jones. She's now in Luke Cage. She's going to be in The Defenders. I wouldn't be surprised if she shows up in Iron Fist because apparently New York City only has one nurse for superheroes. She'll probably, probably be in Avengers eventually, too. Who knows? She'll be in everything. Jillian, what <laughs> did you think of her returning to the role? Rosario Dawson. I like it. You know, I don't have a problem with it. It's pretty much history, too. Um, we see, you know, again, she's also, I don't want to say a prop because it's a bad to say but she pretty much catap is another key piece as to seeing how she uh, uh, as to seeing how Luke Cage gets to that point where he's with Jessica Jones and Rosario's a great actress also uh, her character you know her character you said it last week she's I said it last week I believe she needs to start charging these people more these super freaks well, let me not say super freaks. These super people money to like treat them and to keep quiet or at least have them to as protection or something. Because I'm like, my God, she treats everyone and it doesn't get a, anything out of it. But and I this time it cost her mom a van. Someone would be giving me a new van. I'll tell you that. Mel, what'd you think? I love Rosaria Dawson as an actress. I feel like she's one of the more real actresses. You know, what you see is what you get with Rosario Dawson. So, 
Um, just seeing her pop up in all the shows as the same character, you know, as the nurse stitching up our superheroes is always kind of like a wink and a nod. I kind of like that, you know? Okay. So I, I don't have a problem with seeing her around. Craig? Well, I like the fact that she's not looking for a paycheck. She is the other side of being a hero or a heroine. She is, she does it because it's the right thing to do. And how many superheroes? That's what the definition of superhero. That's what Luke Cage is doing. He's doing his thing because it's the right thing to do. Doesn't always want to do it, and she doesn't always want to do it, but they're doing the right thing. And isn't that what being a hero is all about? Yep. Let's talk a little bit about the cinematography, the music, and the social themes. Mel, our grad, mm-hmm. our, our movie gra- school graduate. What did mm-hmm. you think of how this was filmed? What did you think of how they tied in the soundtrack? And what did you think of their incorporation subtly of the Black Lives Matter elements? We'll start the cinematography since you asked me about three questions. Cinematography <laughs> is beautiful so on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I speak fluent Luke sometimes. Um, Mel does speak very fluent Luke. She's pretty good at it. <laughs> So the cinematography on this show is gorgeous. I feel like everything had a purpose to where it was shown. You know, some things are shown very in focus and very, you see the entire field of death and there's a purpose for that. And some things are shown very close and there's another purpose for that. And I feel like everything tied in well with the cinematography. Like I was just talking about the shot with um, Cottonmouth and he's standing in front of the Biggie poster and there's a crown over his head to let you know, and like, he's the king. That's the top dog that was done intentionally people. You know what I mean? Like, so it's little things like that, that I appreciate just as um, a film major. Uh, You also asked about the music. Oh my gosh, this show was just on 1,000 with the music. Raphael Sadiq, Erica Badu, uh, Faith Evans, all in the club, live singing. You got these people to do this show live. Like, that is amazing. And these are all artists who I feel like, you know, they're all soul artists and R&B artists and artists that are just so important as to our culture, to black culture, I feel like. And I I love that. And they had, uh, what's his name? Uh, the hands out with Janelle Monae. Uh, J- J- Jadena, is that his name? Jadena, Jadena, yeah. Jadena, yes, him. They had him too, and these are all very important things. And I, I love that part about it. And then there's also, like we were talking about earlier, that this show is just so unapologetically black. And it's supposed to be, because it's set in Harlem. And they talk about you know, the new renaissance, uh, the Harlem new renaissance and the old renaissance and all of the, there's a conversation where currently um, happening today. Yes. And there's pops and um, Luke Cage having a conversation about all of these black authors and which ones they like better and the reasons they like them. And I, I love that Luke Cage is, he says it many times during the show, he's like, I don't like being called the N-word, you know, and he gives his reasons on why he doesn't like doing it. And these are all discussions that we need to have, especially now in, you know, the state that our country is in. And I love that. I love that the show where I read a couple of articles, they were saying they were like, Luke Cage's hoodie, you know, that's a nod to Trayvon, you know, Black Lives Matter and all of these aspects of why we are the way we are. And I just... I love that it's very conscious of the show, of the story it's telling. And Luke Cage, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, um, 
Craig that Luke Cage was kind of brought about because of all of the the black exploitation movement in the seventies, right? Yes, that's exactly. So, exactly. So it's like it's supposed to be this black. It's supposed to be unapologetically black. And I love that they kept that through line on the Netflix show. So I thought they did a really good job. Jillian, well, what the hell, Mel? It's just like <laughs> I can't follow that up. I cannot follow that up. Mel is just, boom. She just hit the nail on the head with all of it. I like the fact that they're bringing up that Harlem is once again in that new renaissance because it is like that today. You know, last week you were like, is it really like that? Yeah, it is. They don't put a Whole Foods up in Harlem. I'm like, really? Are you You serious? You made a joke about something about salad last time. (laughs) Yes, because like, um... Yeah, like, you know, you want to go for, like, you know, you want to go for your Sylvia's, which is um, soul food. You want to go to um, Amy Roots. That is my spot. If you're up in Harlem, it's on 116th. That's my spot. If you want to go to funky-ass Melba's, then that's your choice. (laughs) I won't get into that. (laughs) But But you go there for soul food, for comfort food. Now you go up in there, and people are like, Oh, can I have a shake and a kale salad? And you're like, what? Am I in Harlem? I'm like, hold the gluten. Especially Harlem. Like, Harlem is just so historically black. You know, and that's the things you want to see. Like, especially me, you know, I'm from Texas. I ain't never in New York in my life. So, you know, if I were ever to go to Harlem, like, I would want to see, like, all of these historic things that I've heard about. They got bus tours there. No, so much of it's a place to be. Neil Patrick Harris and his family lives in Harlem. I'm like, what the hell y'all doing up here? You know, when you hear somebody say, if you ever hear somebody say, oh, I live in northern Manhattan. I live in northern Manhattan. That's Harlem. There ain't no northern Manhattan. <laughs> That's Harlem. Your ass live in Harlem. Get out of here. Craig, what would you think of those three? Uh, what three again? Uh, c- cinematography, so the black exploitation, and the elements of, uh, the subtle elements of Black Lives I Matter. Mean, I would saying black exploitation because that ain't really a good thing. Well, but, but it did, but it did come out of that era, and they and yeah, they, and, the and, and, and they, they did really they did it like adapt that to this show. They Craig, did a nod to it, but correct. it ain't like no, it ain't like something that she's supposed to you know. No, the term exploitation is not a good term. So yeah, but, but a lot of people made a lot of money doing it, and I can remember I don't know how many times Luke Luke knows this. For many, 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 many years, I saw every movie that came out in theaters. There were some movies where I was the only person of my ethnicity in the entire theater. And you do get an in- interesting experience when you do that. So I saw, as far as I know, I saw just about every black exploitation film, and I hate to use that word, but I saw about every one, and it's terrific, <clears throat> and it's great. And seeing Shaft or um, Foxy Brown with 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 and that kind of an, an audience is is just terrific. It's a whole different experience. I loved it, but it was it was that's why I was really shocked when they did this as they did it because it was there was all all this complaint. I don't know if you did you guys see Hollywood Shuffle? No. Um, Robert Townsend? Yeah. Robert Townsend. Yeah. It's a it's a terrific movie and it's all about black exploitation and how and how all Black characters all used to be certain specific categories, and they couldn't get out of those categories. That's right. what black exploitation was all about. 
that these were all categories. Everybody was stereotyped. And of course, everybody else in the country said, oh, well, this is how they really are. They, they meaning the people in these movies are all like that, you know. And, and of course, it was silly and it was stupid. And, but they took advantage of it and made a fortune doing it. So, so I guess you make your fortune how you can. This film, there are some really stereotypical characters, some characters that I'm kind of shocked that they did the way they did. But by taking that and making it into such an ironic uh, experiment, you can kind of see where it came from and why it came from that and and what needs to be done in the future, hopefully. But it's it is it is absolutely there. It is fun to watch. And again, I'm I'm what I am, so uh, I'm looking at it from my perspective. But I I, I love the cinematography at all. All fits think, into the the old yeah, days. Yeah, and I what you mentioned when you mentioned the black exploitation and how they're trying to how they make money and you know with that, I feel as though with this move with the movie this show, it's trying yep. to take back from that. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's trying to like take back from what black like. Luke Cage came about because of black exploitation. That's how it came about. And they're trying to take it back. You know what I mean? They're trying to make it. They're trying to make. They're trying to. They have some stereotypical moments. Yes. Because the world is what it is. But they're also trying to. With focusing on Black Lives Matter. Especially with that element. They're trying to show you that. No. Despite this coming from a black exploitation era. This is not all what black people are all about. Like, you know, when people hear about Harlem, you know, some people think about drugs and violence and stuff like that. And some people are still like, oh my God, you're going to Harlem. Harlem is not like that today. Like, you can get off in Harlem and walk around. I mean, Harlem is just like any other neighborhood if you think about it. You know, you have some neighborhoods that are good neighborhoods and your bad neighbors. You have some spots that are good and bad. That's just like Harlem. Now Harlem is just a little bit more, you know, diverse, I should say. It, it, you know, it's all about melanin. But then you have people that are melanin challenged that live yeah. up in Harlem now. So, you know, and that's what yeah. I think this show is like showing people that it's not – it's not the stereotype that you think it is. It's safe to come to Harlem and they're driving home with that along with Black Lives Matter. It's so timely too. So that's what I really love about the show. It is indeed. As we wrap this up, I want to get everybody's final thoughts just on Luke Cage. Uh, Mel, what'd you think? Uh, one thing I'm going to say, I have not seen all of the series, but I what I have seen, I really enjoyed it. And I feel like everyone needs to take a look at Luke Cage and kind of try to look really deeper into it, you know, because it's telling you a lot of things. It's really subtle, but it's telling you a lot, and I appreciate mm-hmm. that. But I love the series so far. don't really have a lot of bad things to say about it. Can't wait to finish it. And I forgot to ask, where do you rank this amongst Daredevil Jessica Jones so far? Um, oh, uh, let's see. Since I haven't finished it as fast as I did Jessica Jones, well, that's not really fair because I finished Jessica Jones. So, I mean, it's it's ranked pretty high. Because I haven't finished it, I'm not going to rank it yet. But it's high. I will say that. It's above Daredevil. I'll put, there you go. Okay. Uh, Jillian, what is your final thoughts on Luke Cage and where do you rank it? Uh-uh, you can't do that to me. Don't you do that. I have not seen Daredevil. So <laughs> You've watched Jessica Jones, I know. Yes, Is it better yeah. than Jessica Jones or worse? I haven't finished watching Luke Cage, so you can't do that. Oh. I will say it's up there. Like, I will say this. Marvel 
and Netflix have done has done such a good job that they have me like really like oh shit I got to go home and watch see what Netflix has on there like before I mean I was a viewer of Netflix here and there but Netflix is like Netflix and Netflix and their partnership with Marvel is really showing people like making cable and broadcast step their game up so I enjoy that Craig final thoughts well, I totally agree with Jillian on that. This is my ranking. Gotham is my favorite, absolutely. The Gotham is dark. It's funny. The villains are great. Uh, next comes Daredevil. I think it's terrific. Particularly the first season was just great. My my only problem, and Luke Cage, from so far, I'm only halfway through, but so far Luke Cage is my third. And my only problem is, and I was thinking about this when I watched the first two episodes, is we only have 13 episodes. This is going to go so fast, and we're going to be done, and we're going to have to wait for two years. That's why I wanted oh. to see. But you're oh. going to see him in the Defenders. He'll more than likely. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't been confirmed, but we'll see him pop up in Iron Fist. You would think just because of Luke Cage and Iron years, Fist. Though. But you see, the problem is that's that's it. Thirteen. If this was twenty-six episodes, I wouldn't mind taking a little more time to get going. That's my problem, and that's I know you guys, like I said, are going to throw stones at me, but I want to see. Oh God, I want to see thirteen more episodes. See, I want to see twenty-six I, episodes. I I've got to the point where with television shows because we've seen where primetime broadcast network shows will put out twenty-two episodes and you always end up with about four or five of them that are filler somewhere in the middle in the season. I would rather have thirteen really good episodes than to deal with those five in the middle that suck. That still um, gives you eighteen, seventeen or eighteen look extra. So I'm sorry. I, all I'm saying is I appreciate. <laughs> these short 12 13 episode seasons it's gotham daredevil and luke cage right now my my final thoughts are i loved it i can't wait to see it more i or see more seasons come i love the fact that it brought down uh facebook and it when i was first watching it that like i the night it premiered at 1201 i logged in i was able to stream it at that point but then twitter went down for like 15 minutes after Luke Cage hashtags started popping up everywhere. So my personal thought is it also brought Twitter down for a little bit. Um, can't wait for more. Luke Cage. Um, Daredevil season one is still better, but not by much. Uh, this is a very close second. It is far superior to be than Daredevil season two. Um, and I enjoyed it way more than I did Jessica Jones. You can comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. Mel, where can they find you? Um, you can find me at my Twitter handle at Melody Akles, M-E-L-O-D-I-E-A-I-K-E-L-S. Okay. Uh, Jillian, where can they find you? In my skin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's good. That would be a good place to be. If not, we don't want we don't we don't want you filleted. You could be a star in Luke Cage if not. <laughs> well, I'm actually in Bo. Y'all not okay. Fine. Craig, where can they find you? Uh, at Z Movie Maniac on Twitter, and periodically you can see me at MovieMadnessPodcast.com. <laughs> well, okay. before we wrap this up, I want to just give a shout out to uh, Latakisha, who wrote us a review on uh, iTunes. She goes, I'm a listener of the other podcast, Daytime Confidential, Pop Confidential, so I may be a little biased, but Geek Confidential is just as good and a test in geek culture, and everyone has something worthwhile to contribute to the conversation, whether it's on a regular, one of the regular hosts or a guest. Worth a listen. 
awesome. Thank you. We would love it if you would write us a review on iTunes. That helps us with the ranking, gets us more exposure. We greatly appreciate it. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Later. And Luke just loves being exposed. Goodbye, all. Goodbye, all. (laughs) 